Welcome to episode 29 of the Babes Talking Business podcast. We are so excited for you to hear our episode today. We have the incredible Denise from Chillpreneur. I don't know if you guys have listened or read this book, but it is seriously amazing and has given Luz and I this whole new perspective on entrepreneurship and how we should be running our day. So Denise is the money mentor for the new wave of online entrepreneurs who want to make money and change the world. She helps women charge premium prices, release the fear of money, and helps create first-class lives. She's a lazy introvert, a Hay House author, and an unbusy mother of three. Yeah, crazy bio. She is amazing. This episode was amazing. We really spoke about what it is like to run a business these days and how women are so hard on themselves, but also how there is this new wave to run businesses and we don't have to do it all. And this woman explains it so perfectly. So get your earphone, actually get a notepad because I wrote down so many notes from Denise. We will link all of her Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, website links in the show notes below. So make sure you check it out. And we just want to take this moment to say a big fat thank you to the Health Style Emporium, our sponsors, a beautiful online 16-week holistic program that is helping women up-level their health in all realms of health, physical, nutrition, spirituality, mental health, and so much more. Go and check them out. If you haven't, it is www.thehsc. Now, without further ado, relax, kick back, enjoy this episode. Take note of what Denise says. You will absolutely love it. Amazing. Hello. Welcome. Hi. I'm so excited to have you on the show. I am... I've actually fallen in love with you, Denise. You don't know, but I've been a girl crush on you and I've been telling everyone about you for like the last few months after reading your book, Chillpreneur. It was like mm. mind-blowing for me. Oh, that makes me so happy. Thank you. I mean, Shani and I were just having a bit of a chat too because I love your bio that you sent through and I'm just going to read it out for those girls who maybe don't know who you are because it's pretty kick-ass. So those who don't know, Denise is a money mentor for the new wave of of online entrepreneurs who want to make money and change the world. She helps women charge premium prices, release the fear of money, and create first-class lives. She's a lazy introvert, a Hay House author, and an unbusy mother of three. Love it. (laughs) Seriously. I have to say, not completely 100% unstressed mother of three like let's be clear let's be honest there but the reason why I put that is because um, anytime I've seen women especially mothers um, talked about as entrepreneurs they always say busy mom of five busy mm. mom of two and it really um like it really annoys me because you know I I really don't um well I don't relate to that and I I really strongly identify as an entrepreneur I think mm. that's such a huge part of my identity and any time that I've been kind of showcased, they they always say they're busy mom of, and I just think no. And also, I'm I don't find myself that busy. I really I'm, I'm intentional. I'm full. Definitely have a full life. Mm-hmm. But I'm very intentional about what I let into my life. And busy sometimes implies that things are just being done to us. And so I like to dispel that myth that you have to be busy to be successful. 
I love that. And I think as well, so many people glorify the word busy. It's like, oh, I'm busy. Like I have so much crap going on in my life. You can't get into my schedule. I can't do this. I can't do that. But really, is that a word we really want to be glorifying and putting on a pedestal? I don't think so. And I love that you've just done exactly that. Yeah, I don't like the word. <laughs> no, but I, I do use it if for an excuse, if there's something I want to get out of. <laughs> <laughs> Not true, but... And that's what it is, though, isn't it? Busy is an excuse because if something was important to you and it was of value, you would prioritise it. Like, mm. you have time for everything that's important. We just become busy for things that... All busy is just means it's not a priority for me. It's not a value of mine right now. So I love that. Mm. And I think that was my biggest aha thing from reading your book. Um, I loved how you're just a, you're just a breath of fresh air. It was just talking about like you can be successful in business, you can be an amazing mom, you can be an amazing wife, but it doesn't mean that you have to burn yourself out either. And I remember talking to Shani. There's this one chapter where I was just like, oh my god, I love her. <laughs> but you were just like. I'm not like a perfectionist, but I half, I show up every day, but I half ass everything. Like I'm consistently showing up. And I think a lot of people don't show up. They think that you've got to be on your A game every single day when they don't realize it's just being consistent and showing up every single day, no matter what kind of day you're having. And I'd, I'd love for you to speak into that a little bit. Yeah. Well, the thing is that's a procrastination, right? Because how many of us really can show up in that A game each and every day? Most of the time we're judging ourselves so much about that that we we psych ourselves out. And so we think, oh, well, if this is not perfect, it can never, ever go out. And I can't remember who said that. I think it's like Voltaire or something, but it's like don't let um, perfection be the enemy of good or something like that. And mm. it was just like, yeah, sometimes we're just waiting for things to be perfect and they never will be either because that's an impossible standard or because we will never think it's perfect, more to the point. Mm -hmm. But it can really help a lot of people in the meantime. And when you look at my books, um, Lucky Bitch came out in 2010 or 11. Get Rich Lucky Bitch came out in 2012. They were riddled with spelling mistakes. I wrote (laughs) them in half British English, half American English, which would have driven so many people crazy. (laughs) Like the covers were, you know, amateurish. And, um, like a lot of, some of the concepts weren't even really fleshed out that well. And then every year or so I did an updated version of it, but if I'd waited for that book to be perfect, it wouldn't have helped so many people. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm really proud of being able to just sometimes just let go, not always, but just sometimes let go of the perfectionism because it's not about us. It's not about our need for perfection or our quest for um, it's sometimes we think that if it's perfect, we won't get criticized, mm-hmm. but you're going to get criticized anyway, even mm-hmm. if something is like perfect, which can't happen. So I always just try and focus like, is this going to help someone right now? And sometimes the imperfection helps people more because it gives them permission to just get stuff out there too. Totally. I love that. And one of the conversations that Loz and I had about your book actually is about the word lazy because I think so many women in particular, we, we're our worst critic, especially mm. entrepreneurs. We want everything to be perfect, like you said. But there are some people in this world that are quote-unquote lazy, but they're still successful. And you just, you emulated that in your book so well. And I'd love for you to talk into that because I know a lot of people who are listening are probably going to just feel like a weight lifted off their chest talking about this, like, 
oh, I don't have to do X, Y, Z to be perfect and be successful. I can be a chillpreneur. So let's talk a little bit about that. I'd love your philosophy on this. Okay. Well, people don't believe me when I say I'm super lazy, but I really, really am. I'm always trying to look for the shortcut. How can I get maximum or even just some result from the least amount of effort? And not like that I make things bad. It's just like, what is the thing that's going to make the difference? Mm-hmm. What is the one thing that actually people need rather than the 50 things I think in my mind that they're asking for? And, um, I mean, a really good example for me is writing books. You know, I am such a lazy writer. <laughs> and so you have to find what motivates you. And for me, the only thing that motivates me is a public accountability deadline. Um <laughs> Because otherwise, I'm not going to be motivated to write books either. Like yesterday, I, I sat down and I was like, and I wrote like 400 words. And I reckon I wrote a sentence and then I would like scroll Instagram for an hour. A sentence, <laughs> scroll Instagram for an hour. Um, and, and so eventually you'll get it done. But I think we just beat ourselves up all the time that we're not doing all the things. Mm-hmm. And that's when you feel like you're a failure. And really, to be a lazy entrepreneur, you don't have to do all the things. You just have to do a few of the things that will actually make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, make a difference to your income, make a difference to your happiness, make a difference to your productivity. Um, and I just say to myself, as long as I like post something on social media every day, I'm good. Instead of, you know, when you just get, oh, my God, maybe I be, should be scheduling like totally. six months in advance and you're freaking out. It's like not everything is going to be a winner, mm-hmm. but as long as you show up and you're consistent, then eventually, you know, you will get momentum. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, like what I love about this podcast is it is a space for vulnerability and it's a space to get rid of those glorified Instagram posts. So women can actually come together and actually learn about what it takes to be successful in business and what's actually happening behind the scenes. Then I'll be the first to put my hand up and say, what your book came at such a perfect time for me because I am a perfectionist and I was trying to do like everything. And I was actually finding resentment and resistance in my business. And there was this one chapter where you spoke about like, as an entrepreneur, we actually get to create our dream businesses. We get to create how we want to design our days. And you spoke about how you gave yourself the space to really think about the stuff that you enjoy and the stuff that you love and the stuff that you could just outsource. And so for the other women who may be on the call who have found themselves, whether they've deliberately built a business of some kind, somehow fell into a business and, (laughs) they are feeling that resentment how do you how can they find joy in their business again how have you kind of created that joy in that space for you and your business I think the problem that that really comes from is this feeling of not enoughness you know like I haven't done enough I'm not enough I should be doing all of all the things and sometimes that just comes from insufficient data you know and so I think it's really useful to come up with a couple of lists and just take that stuff out of your brain where it's going to drive you freaking mental, especially at 3 o'clock in the morning. I hate those times when you wake up and you go, oh, my God, I should be doing this thing. Um, I write down three lists, and it's um, now, next, later. And so you have to be really mindful about what things you're worrying about that actually are not even a problem right now. And mm. sometimes that's a future problem that people psych themselves out from, and it could be something, something really big like taxes, the, you know, the thought of paying taxes. And you could be thinking, oh, my God, how stressful is it going to be when I have to pay taxes on a million-dollar income? Like, that could be something that you're stressed about. And you might not have even made a single sale, Mm -hmm. ever, you know. And so you can park some of those future worries. You can park some of those projects. But you've got to give them some place to to be. 
Um, book ideas is another way to do this, right? You might have 20 book ideas that are haunting you right now and they really do haunt you. You stress about them, you feel guilty about them, you feel like you're neglecting them, like they're little babies. You, um, <laughs> you know, all of those things that just create so much stress for us. You can write that down. What are the books that I would like to write now? And really you can only write one on that list because yeah. you can't write too many at the same time. And then you can put, okay, what would be my next book? And then what would be my later book? And those timeframes, I look at them as the now list is like zero to three months. The next list could be kind of three to six to nine months. And then the later could be just sometime in the future. But it's just, you just give it somewhere to exist so it doesn't have to live in your head. And you can use those three lists for anything. It can be blog ideas, social media ideas, improvements you want to make to your business. And it's just a way for you to first capture it, but then to really prioritize and go, you know what, it would be really nice to have a new website, but it's not a now project. Yeah. And then you can kind of give, give you, like, let yourself off the hook a little bit that you, you can't do everything now. You just can't. Yeah. I think we're, we're just in an era where we're just putting so much pressure on ourselves to be everything and every for everyone. And mm-hmm. I think that is one of the main sources of stress for people in business because we are in a in a time where we are wearing all the hats and entrepreneurship is being you know it's more popular now there are people starting home-based businesses and little hobby projects and side hustles are actually turning into more than what you know they originally expected because online e-commerce online sales all of that is just like growing so then we have all this pressure on ourselves of oh my gosh I've got to be the marketing person I've got to be the admin person I've got to write the emails I've got to do everything and I just I talk to women every day and they're just so burnt out and it's just all self-inflicted pressure yeah it really is and you know at the start of your business there is a bit of a reality that you do have to kind of wear all the hats Mm -hmm. for the first year, but it still doesn't mean you have to do all the things. Right. Mm -hmm. And same with things like you might go, Oh my God, I need some funnels, Mm -hmm. you know, like start with one email sequence, like just one email. Don't think, Oh, this is only worthy of putting up and I've got like a 20 email follow-up sequence and it has tags and it has conditional all that stuff it's so (laughs) painful and you probably won't do it but also you probably don't need to do it for a while like we still have pretty simple funnels um but it's the thought of having to do all the things it's like what I used to say to my mom I want to have like six kids and she's like start with one (laughs) see if you like it and then you know have another one and I'm like that with everything in business it's like just start with one article about a topic and see if you like it don't have, you don't have to plan out the next 20 years of your business and, and do all the things. You don't have to write all of the books of your career right now. You don't have to give all the speeches of your career right now. Like there's time for things to unfold. You just have to focus on just the next thing. Mm, I love that. And I know there's so many women who are tuning in because they are entrepreneurs. We've got lots, predominantly women. I know there's some of you men that tune in, so thanks for sticking around. Um, <laughs> but a lot of women who are tuning in, they are working from home. They have got side hustles or passion projects or full-time gigs. But there's also a lot of women who just have that entrepreneur spirit in them and they want to have their own business and they tune in. And I loved listening to your story because it took you a while to find the right vehicle or know what you wanted to do for business. You just knew that you wanted to be an entrepreneur, you wanted to work for yourself. 
So I'd love to know, like for girls who are listening in and they've got that entrepreneur spirit, what advice would you give them? Where do they go? What kind of business should they look for? That's such a great question because when I look at my history and, you know, I wanted to be an entrepreneur since I was nine years old and, but no one ever really helped me with figuring out what, what I would be even good at. Right. It was just like, well, you find a problem and then you offer a solution to it. So I, I'm good at finding problems. Like I'm a Virgo. I can see problems all over the place. So I remember one time I was like, well, there's no hooks in toilets. So maybe that should be my business, you know, like (laughs) telling businesses to put hooks in their toilets or, um, you know, creating hooks. And, but then I was like, Oh, that's just not what I want to do. But because that was the only advice I'd ever been given, that's where I, how I started businesses. So I remember I did internet dating when I was um, single. And so I was like, oh, wow, men are really bad at this. Like maybe that should be my business. <laughs> so I wrote a book about how to be a better internet dater as a man. Um, and so I just kept on finding these problems and cre- creating solutions for them, which I loved that bit of it. But then I'd get to the maybe the six-month mark and I'd be thinking – I've got nothing left to say on this topic mm. and I have hit a wall. So the advice that I would give to people is that's not enough because there are so many problems in the world, but not every problem is your problem and not every problem is your responsibility to solve. So you've got to find the intersection between a problem, but your experience and your desires and also what the market wants. And I mm. think the, a really great way to start figuring out those things is you start with you, right? Because you can only offer what you can offer. You know, you might find a really good problem, there is a market for it, but it's just not in alignment with what you want to do or who you are. It could even be something that you're actually really good at. Like I I used to run events. I was really good at that. It's not what I want to do. Um, I was good at coaching, but it wasn't what I wanted to do one-to-one. So not everything is yours to solve, right? Mm -hmm. But I would say do a lot of self-inquiry. I I think my, my business journey turned around when I started doing personality tests. And, um, but not only just doing the personality test, but then also doing the inner work to give myself permission to be that person. Mm. And you can start really big or you can start really small. A big thing for me was just a really, it was like a binary thing, right? It was, oh, I'm an introvert, not an extrovert. That was huge. That was huge for me to realize that. And, and I shifted my business model accordingly because I was doing a lot of speaking and networking because I thought that's what I had to do. Mm. So even that, I was like, oh, I can acknowledge that I don't like to do that and I want to build an online business. And then you can get more granular after that. Then I, I did things like um, Colby, Colby analysis. And one of, the, um, one of the things you learn in Colby is if you're a quick start, which means how quickly do you just jump into things? And I'm a very high quick start, which means that I can be very spontaneous. I can kind of have divine downloads in the moment. I don't need a lot of preparation. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, that's amazing. So I love doing interviews like this because I'm not sitting writing a PowerPoint for hours before talking to you guys, right? I can just kind of come and be spontaneous. So every time you take a personality test or you learn something new about yourself, make a tweak in the way you do business. And you can tweak your business as much as you like. You know, you can't, you don't just have to go along one path because somebody told you to do that. Um, I learned my sacred money archetypes and I learned, you know, different things about my personality there. And that was the game changer for me. That was absolutely a game changer. Up until mm. then, I was just trying 
different businesses because I, like, I thought it'd be a good idea, but yeah. it wasn't my good idea. I love that. I'm so, I'm so excited we got to chat about that. And I'm really excited that you ended talking about money too, because I know money's your jam. And one of the things that I think you opened up or you said it in one of your first chapters in Chilpreneur was you just owned the fact that you're a millionaire. You just said it. And I remember there was something in me, which was obviously a self-limiting belief. Oh my God, she just talked about her income. And because not many women talk openly about money. And that's what I love about this podcast too. It's about empowering women with wealth creation and the financial literacy to own it. And it's not a dirty money story. Um, so I know you're really passionate about talking to women about money and, and their money beliefs. How did that come for you? Did you always have an amazing relationship with money or? No, not at all. Um, I, I, I struggle with money. You know, I grew up as a single, uh, like with a single parent and not very much money, but not only that, I actually had a really big story that I wasn't good with numbers. And so for a lot of um, people that translates to money, right? Because mm. you think, Oh, well, I'm not good at numbers. I can't, do sums in my head. Well, it just very much easily translates to money, but also I didn't know anything about money. My early twenties, I've been so much debt because I didn't understand interest mm-hmm. rates. I didn't understand debt. Um, and I also felt bad about asking for money. I never asked for a pay increase. I never nego- negotiated my wage when I was working in corporate. And, um, but I was really into personal development. And so a thought just occurred to me one day and I thought, what if I look at all the things that I'm so passionate about with personal development and just relate that to my money? How would that work? And so I was reading a lot about Louise Hay and she talks about forgiveness and self-love and acceptance. And I was like, what would happen if I applied that to my money? And what would happen if I really looked at all the fears that I had around money? And um, so that, that's what really helped for me. And I sought out then, then I sought out a lot of money books because up until then I thought I didn't like to read about money. It mm. felt intimidating to me. It felt too serious. So I started reading a ton of money books and I found some people who were honest and open about money. Not very many women, unfortunately, back then. Um, and so that was my money journey. And now I realize too that part of my role is just normalizing this conversation about money, Mm. just being okay to talk about money. And, you know, I talk about being a millionaire, but I also talk about how much tax I pay. Mm. You know, my tax bill for last year is (laughs) $800,000. That's so much money, you know, and I also like talking about that because sometimes when we are in the personal development world, it can just focus on um, sometimes a little bit of a delusional positivity, Mm. You know, it's like, I will be a millionaire. But we don't talk about the stuff that goes on inside your fear mm-hmm. when you talk about money. And if you really were to break it down and, and if you just had a mantra that was like, I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire. But without looking at your fears around that, without looking at the fact that you might be terrified to pay taxes, you mm-hmm. might be thinking that you one day you'll screw it up because you're not good at math or you're not responsible with money, then you... Like you're just focusing on the positive. It's just not, it's not going to happen. And it's going to feel really hard and you're going to really blame yourself because you'll somehow think, well, maybe I'm just not good enough or I'm not worthy enough or I'm not meditating hard enough or I don't want it enough. (laughs) No, you've really got to look at the dark side of it as well and all of the fears. And, and sometimes I know that me talking about money triggers people and it's really good to trigger people. It's really good to trigger your own fears and beliefs. 
Totally. I agree. If this topic triggers you, absolutely dive into it head first because um, our running theme with our podcast is that your net worth equals your self-worth, right? So the more your self-worth increases, the more you value yourself, the more you put yourself first, the more the the abundance of finances flow to you and not just financial wealth, but relationship wealth, um, friendship wealth and joy wealth. And so something that I love that you do is you help women charge premium prices. That's one of the things that you do really well. And I think this comes down to a self-worth thing. I talk to a lot of women in business who just totally undervalue their worth and they'll charge for their time for a ridiculously low price because they're too afraid to charge more or they feel like they're not experienced enough to charge more or they feel like they're not worthy enough to charge more. Tell us a little bit about your journey through this because I can sense that you have incredible high sense of self-worth, but I'm sure that once upon a time, it wasn't like that. So I'd love to hear that story of how that evolved for you and how you help women, you know, overcome that today? Well, I would say I do not have perfect self-worth. Like I really, I still have doubt and fear like anyone else. And, you know, I, but I've got, I've got better tools now than I did before Mm. to overcome those as quickly as possible. One thing that I see a lot of women do is that they um, crowdsource their price, which is, which is a really dangerous topic, right? And I see this in business groups where someone goes, Hey guys, I've got this program or I've got this course and it's got, three PDFs and five audios and blah, blah, blah. How much should I charge for it? Mm. And there's a, there's a massive problem there is because you don't know what money blocks those people have and you don't know what um, stories they have around money and their own ability to charge. They are usually not your target audience at all. Mm. Um, and it's totally okay to have, um, have niches within niches, right? So it's totally okay to Um, want to work with people who don't have a lot of money and it's totally okay to work with people who can afford premium prices there's no value judgment either way Mm -hmm. the only caveat I would say on that is that some industries do have benchmarks but in that case you don't ask people who are not making any money in that industry to give you their their price advice you would go to an expert Mm -hmm. so I um I have a rose farm that's like a side project that, cool. that Mark and I bought last year. And um, and some of that is that we're going to be leasing out different spaces. Mm. So there's no point me asking my business groups, hey, guys, what should I charge for the, <laughs> for the lease for the coffee shop? Like there's no point asking that to just a random group of people. And there's probably not that much point asking coffee shop owners about that. Like I want to go to an expert and – see what the benchmarks are and an expert who's successful. That's mm. a, that's a big thing. So that's the first mistake I see people make is just like asking, we just, we just want someone to tell us a number. Mm. That's the thing, right? Cause we don't want to set it cause it feels like we're putting a number on, on our true worth. And you're not, you're not putting a value on your worth as a human being. You're just putting a price on a product or service. Like no one's going to die if you get it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's kind of the first thing I want to say is don't do the crowdsourcing thing. Um, The second thing is you can change this at any time. A price is never set in stone. Um, And you might just put a price on something and you realize pretty quickly that it doesn't feel like a good um, win-win exchange for your time and energy. 
And if that's the case, put it up straight away. You don't have to wait to some arbitrary time like the start of the financial year or once a year or on your birthday or anything. You can literally change this every single month. But I would suggest that every time you do that, make it a marketing event. Like tell people, hey, the price is going up. You can get it at the current price until X date. Um, And the reason why people resist that too is that we, again, we want someone to give us permission. We give us to like tell us what would be the price, which leads to my third point is that there's no magical critic proof price. Mm. We sometimes think that um, we could find that the magical number that everyone's going to be like, oh yes, I will pay, uh, I will pay that straight away. It doesn't matter what you charge. Look, there's always going to be someone who thinks it's too cheap. Always going to be someone who thinks it's too expensive. Mm-hmm. And if you don't believe me, go offer something for a dollar. There'll be people who complain that it's not free. <laughs> yeah. Fully. Go uh, go over something for a hundred dollars. There'll be someone who who they might not tell you. There's someone who'll be like, "Oh, that's so cheap. What what possible value could I get out of that? Um, mm. Get out of that program?" So there are the three things: don't crowdsource. Um, what was the second thing? It, no price is set in stone. And number three, there's no magical critic proof price. So you have to set your prices. I know that's hard, right? <laughs> I love it. And it's something, it's not until you're in that situation, like you said, you just got to see what feels good. And I I think something I got from your book as well was just making sure that you said you revisit it and you, you keep upping your prices as well. And as soon as you have a demand for it, it means that, all right, well, I can up it again. And it's something that a lot of us, if you grow up, most of us do as an employee and you're scared to ask for pay rises when you jump in that entrepreneur space and you've got to actually name your worth, it's something that feels really uncomfortable. And especially if you have your own bullshit money story, <laughs> it feels a little bit more awkward. Like, oh, my gosh, like, can I just – is it just as easy as me saying, hey, actually, I'm my prices? It's like, yeah, it is. Yeah, there yeah. is. And, you know, and there's, there's such a wide variety of prices for anything. You know, like what's the difference between a $10 candle and a $200 candle? Most of the time it's marketing and positioning and target market. And that's not to say, you know, uh, feel like you're charging too much because that can feel really awkward too. And I don't know if you remember in the book, I talked about how Danielle Laporte said this. She she said, you have to wear the right money shoes for you. Mm. If you charge too high straight out the gate because somebody told you to, you can feel like a little kid wearing your mum's shoes but if you're not charging appropriately, you can feel like your shoes are too tight mm. and you've got to feel – and the good thing is, you know, like you can change that at any time. But a real big clue is if you feel resentful when you're working with someone, yeah. that's a really big sign that you're just you're too cheap. Like yeah. if you just don't feel like it's a, a really good energy of, oh, they paid me and I gave them this thing and it feels beautiful and balanced in the universe – Um, if you're just like, oh, and I feel that in my body, I really feel it. And I've done that before where I've undercharged for say speaking engagements. Mm -hmm. I'll come away from that speaking engagement depleted totally because I felt the deficit in my body. Like that's where Mm. I've had to suck that up and, and, and feel that imbalance. Um, whereas when I've charged well for what I've done, I come away and I I just feel like everything's right in the world. Mm. Ah, I know. I know what that feels like for sure. You do? (laughs) Yes. And I know that feeling of I've totally just poured my energy into this, but I don't feel like I'm getting the energetic exchange back. Yeah. So I guess it's like a trial and error thing, would you say? Like you just trial and error what feels good, what feels right? Yeah, it really does. And, you know, there's no hard or fast rule around things like, say, for example, speaking. Some people say to me, should I never speak for free then? I'm like, no, but again, it has to feel like a good energy exchange and it has to feel like 
it's a conscious choice for you to set that price, not that something is being imposed on you or that someone's taken advantage of you. That feels really bad. Mm. I'm glad we're getting to have this conversation. There's so many lessons to learn. I think I've learned so much about just myself in business. It's it's like business has been the biggest spiritual journey as well. Like you mm. learn about your beliefs, what, like what your self-worth is. It's crazy who you become when you step into the business world as well. You have to be willing to face those ugly parts of yourself which somehow hide in the normal <laughs> nine-to-five world. Oh, my God. You said it so well. That's exactly right. <laughs> and so you've been in business now for, what, 20 like years, lots of different businesses? like. Oh, my God. Yeah, so I, I started teaching personal development when I was about 19. Cool. Um, yeah, I was uh, president of my business club at university, and so I would do little lectures and speak at conferences and stuff for other students, which was really, really fun. Um, and then I would say in my 20s I would just kind of dabble in it, but I was I also did, like, actual proper corporate jobs because I felt like that was probably my path too. And one of the reasons why is because I actually didn't know any entrepreneurs in real life. And so even though I knew I had a burning to be an entrepreneur, um, I didn't know what that looked like. Mm. Uh, I didn't really know how that could work in the real world. And so every time I hit a road bump, I had nobody to talk to. I had nobody to kind of um, cheerlead me on. So I would just go back to a corporate job because it felt easier. And it wasn't until probably my late 20s that I realized that there were these networks of women um, around the world who were doing business, people like Ali Brown and Kendall Summerhawk and Marie Forleo. Um, I plugged into those networks and Fabienne Fredrickson as well. I plugged into those networks and suddenly I had a mirror of what could be possible for me. And, um, and that gave me the courage to, um, to quit my job and, and to go into business full time. And so I had my last full time job, I think in, uh, about 10 years ago. Um, oh, actually, no, that wasn't even full time. I went part time to kind of do my side hustle. So it's been over 10 years since I um, had a full-time job, but it, that only changed for me once I had examples of other people. Mm. Yeah. So I was going to ask, like along the journey, what has been your biggest lesson in business? Uh, just to keep going. <laughs> keep going and be show up and be cons- consistent. You know, if, mm. it is true that these days if you are away for too long, people do forget about you a little bit, but it's it's just more about just showing up just showing up. That's it. You know, and you won't get it perfect and you can try different things. And that's the beauty of, of business. You know, when I, when I started in business, it was a lot harder because the barriers to entry were much higher in terms of cost for things. Um, it wasn't easy to take payments online. It wasn't easy to have your own website. And so when I look at the tools that we have now, if you're starting a business, that, that, that's not, not a barrier to entry. The only barrier is going to be your fear your fear and stress around putting yourself out there, which is totally real, by the way, but it just means you have to plug yourself into those networks and um, be really mindful about what you're listening to. Make sure you're listening to podcasts about business and about real people because that's going to bolster your belief that it's possible for yourself. Yeah, Mm -hmm. totally. They say you're the average of the five people you hang around most, right? And so that includes, like, is it the grumpy chick at the coffee shop every morning that you get your coffee from is that what type of podcasts are you listening to it's not just friendships and relationships it's totally like what you're allowing to influence you and I agree I I mean I've only been in the business world for such a short time I feel like a baby it's been about six years for me but 
I think that one of the most amazing things about the last six years has been, well, I've been really mindful of who I have in my circle of influence and who I have giving me advice and picking me up, up off the ground. And the other thing I think is really important is, you know, taking advice from people who have created something you want and not yes. not listening to the opinions and advice of people who haven't created what you want. So, um, I or, think, or who have an unhealthy imbalance. Mm. You know, like there's a lot of people who can do the hustle thing, but you know that's not something I aspire to either. And you know, a lot of people love Gary Vee, and I, I do. I find his energy too tricky for me, right? Because it's not how I aspire to to create mm. my business and. You know, and I'm so glad you brought that up about podcasts and stuff because this morning I was feeling really yuck and I was feeling like a lot of fear and anxiety come up around some of the projects I'm working on that require a lot of investment. Mm. And um, and I realised it's because this morning Mark got up with the kids and I sat in bed for like two hours on Twitter mm. um, looking at political stuff, which I think it's really important to be up to date with political stuff, but I could feel myself getting so angry and stressed and anxious about strangers on Twitter <laughs> that I can't control. Yeah. And so I, I let it bleed into the rest of my morning. And it's it's so important to control what comes in mm. because it's going to impact. Like who does it serve for me to be stressed about some random guy on Twitter? <laughs> yeah, no like one. that's going to, it's not, it's going to stop me from working on my projects that I need to work on my next book or my new website, all of those things. And that's not going to, that's not going to help anybody. Mm. Mm, so true. And I love that. Like I said, it's, this podcast is about being real. So it's cool that women are hearing that we have those days too, where we have the icky days where we feel like, Oh, like I've got self doubt or I just wasn't feeling it this morning. Has there been times and I already know what the answer is going to be to this, but over the last 10 years that you've wanted to quit and it's been too hard and how have you, how have you changed that and continued to show up? No, um, I've never truly wanted to quit and it's because I know I'm a born entrepreneur mm-hmm. and the freedom that being an entrepreneur gives you like there's no comparison for it. Like, you know, and of course I get fear and I think, oh my God, what would happen if there was, you know, a global recession or I had no more clients or whatever. And then I know that in myself, I'd be like, well, I would do VIP days. I Mm -hmm. would, um, you know, go back to coaching. I would do events. I would do blah, blah. I would never, ever consider going back to work for someone else. Mm -hmm. That's non-negotiable for me. Mm -hmm. Um, However, and I say this with a caveat because some people that actually do thrive in a in a corporate environment. So I've actually seen a lot of people in the last um, two years go back to a corporate environment out of choice mm-hmm. um, because it felt better for them to do that. And um, so I never want to shame anybody because there's times where your business will flow, and but also you have to really look at your personality. I'm very comfortable in the entrepreneurial risk environment, Mm. some people actually don't thrive in that environment and they'd be better having a part-time or a full-time job so they get their security and they feel okay and then they can do their side hustle on the evenings and weekends. Um, So personally for me, I've never, ever wanted to go back to a job because it was so, like it felt so constrictive, constrictive to me. You've got to look at your own personality. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Totally. (laughs) yeah and what has what are the payoffs for people who are maybe are in the trenches or in the first year of business like is this really worth it maybe you can answer is it really worth it what are the payoffs from the hard work you have put in it's so it's so worth it um you know from an abundance point of view 
it's amazing being able to build your dream house, mm. um, to be able to support your parents. Um, so Mark and I financially support both of our mums who were single mums when they raised us. So they don't have to work. Um, we're able to um, donate money to causes that are important to us. We're able to go on holidays when we want to. Both of us can drop off the kids and pick up the kids because Mark works in my, my business too. So those perks are so worth it. They're so worth getting over the fear and anxiety that is just an inevitable part of being in business, not yeah. just in your first year, even though that's where it's <laughs> probably the most intense. Yeah. Um, it's worth getting over your fear of asking for money and sending those invoices and it's worth getting over the procrastination. None of these things you have to get over perfectly, by the way, ever, yeah. ever, ever. But I just really love, like, being rich is really nice. Being free is really, really, really nice. And um, and living in that creative possibility is is awesome, like not having to ask anybody for permission to do the things you want to do. There's nothing like it if that's in your bones, if that's in your blood. Uh, the first year is the hardest. Just keep on going. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, lo- I have butterflies in my stomach. That was amazing. I am so inspired by you. And I just love how much certainty there is in what you've just said. Um, and I know for anyone who's listening who have dreams of being an entrepreneur and, and working for themselves, whether they're in a side hustle right now or maybe they've just taken the leap from you know, working to jumping into their, their business full-time, I know they're just going to be so inspired by you and so excited to read your books if they haven't. Where, where can our listeners find you? What's the best place to connect with you? So um, my website's denisedt.com. Um, that's the same as all my social handles. So on Insta, I'm at denisedt, you know, Twitter, Facebook, all the things. So I, I hang out mostly on Instagram. I love it when people tell me what they've gotten out of a podcast interview because I, I do them a lot and not many people do this. So I really love it if you take a screenshot of, you know, all three of us talking, tag all three of us. And just tell us in a heart that you got out of the podcast, mm, yes. um, you know, or tag me in a picture of my book and tell me what a has you got out of it. And I think that's, as a Virgo, like just knowing that I can be of service to help change someone's mindset or just give them a little boost that really feels good to me to do that. It's your birthday month. It is. It's my birthday on Saturday. Oh my God. Happy birthday. (laughs) So my birthday party. And I never celebrate my birthday. Um, And some of that's being an introvert and not like being center of attention. But this year I'm hiring out Gold Class Cinema for um, some of my close girlfriends. We're watching Grease 2. Love it. Because I love the movie Grease 2 and my dressing up. And, you know, and again, it's really nice to have abundance in your life to be able to do things like that and just go, oh, okay, I'm just going to hire out a cinema. And, um, yeah, so it feels really good. Amazing. And you know what, um, I, I'm guessing you guys, I don't know how old you are, but you're definitely younger than me. There's something too about the business cycles and I feel like I'm at the end of a business cycle where I'm reevaluating not what I do because I love what I do, but reevaluating some of the things in my business and how I do it and decluttering some of the things that are not useful anymore and, you know, I think 40 is a milestone too where you start looking at those things even deeper and, you know, there's just different times in your life, you know, like 28 is a big one and then you kind of hit, you're kind of mid-30s and there's one and then there's definitely one at 42. Yeah. yeah. 
cycles are just inevitable. <laughs> inevitable. We we where Loz and I have been working together now for is it three years, Lozzie? Three and a half. Three and a Three half. And a half years, oh my gosh, yeah. where's time flying? And we have experienced cycles. We know all about them cycles. Don't you worry about that. Now <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we're getting one. We're ramping up on a new chapter where you kind of feel like you're cleansing old energy. You're getting ready to take on new projects, and it's really mm. really fun. I love it, it feels good, and you know I'm doing new um, new new website. Um, we'll be doing some new videos towards the end of the year. I'm selling my house. I'm moving into a new house. Um, turning 40 I'm like oh this is just such a great time but you know anytime you can you can create that for yourself and go you know what this is a new month mm. what projects am I going to do this month and you're the boss you can yeah. totally make those decisions love yeah it. girl love <laughs> it. thank you so much for sharing your love and light with us Denise it's been such a pleasure and like I said I've just been fangirling and telling everyone about your book so if you guys haven't especially the girls in our tribe do yourself a favor because I think for me, like I said at the start, so many girls are beating themselves up around they're not good enough, they're not, they can't show up and do it all. Mm. And I think your book was just just that space to take a breath and be like, you know what? I don't have to do it all. And mm. I can be lazy and I can still be successful. And I can not be amazing at everything and not enjoy it all. And maybe I can outsource that. So it's been one of my favorite reads this year. So if you haven't, get the book and thank you for writing it. Yes. Oh, thanks for reading it. I appreciate it. And thanks for having me on. We've Loved been it. so grateful for you, girl. Thank you so much. <laughs> we hope you loved today's episode of the Babes Talking Business Podcast. We're loving bringing you these episodes. Our mission really is to share and add value to your week, whether you're a budding entrepreneur or you're a veteran and you've been owning your own business for quite some time. Don't forget, if you're loving our podcast, we would absolutely love and appreciate for you to rate us and drop in some love on the iTunes app by giving us some feedback. We want to do something really exciting and we want to do a shout out of the week every week on our Instagram for anyone who reviews us so please make sure you leave us five sparkly stars and you give us your feedback but don't forget to add your instagram handle or website so that we can shout you out you can follow us on instagram at babes talking business or you can check out our website at www.babestalkingbusiness.com you can check out the health style emporium online holistic health program our beautiful sponsors over at www.thehsc.net. All of these links are available below in our podcast notes and on our website. Thanks for tuning in.